Morning, Austin. Hey, morning, D. Good to see you, sir. Good morning, everybody. My name is D, and I'm one of the pastors here. And it is, as always, an incredible joy to be with you this morning, to invite you into this space, to invite us together into worship, to pause at the beginning of this, to acknowledge that we do this collectively. We lift up our voices, our hearts. We surrender ourselves to the work of God in these moments that we might be better equipped to live out our faith through the course of this week. And so I would invite you, having been among those who get here a few steps earlier than some others, to do two things. One is that I hope as others walk in, you recognize that we are in this together and pray for them, that together as a community, we might lift up Christ, our mission in this place. Secondly, I also hope you pay attention to the rhythms of the service, a theme that goes from one song to the next, an invitation into prayer, or to do something that's a tangible outward action of our prayer at one of the candle tables, or the ways in which we participate through giving, a giving box in the back or online, whatever you choose to do. The rhythms of this service and the values that we project by them, the reading of scripture, the opening up of the word together, prayers over one another. What are the rhythms that you have in your life that get reflected on a Sunday morning that invite us into sacred space so that as a result of this morning, our whole week might be considered sacred space? So into that, I invite you this morning as I offer a word of prayer that God's spirit would dwell with us and in us. Let's pray together. God, you were here long before we came. But there is something special about gathering together in a space set aside for worship in a community of faith in a community with its diverse ways of thinking and experiencing and worshiping. And yet, the invitation to be united as one, believing that we lift you up, that others might experience the joy and the freedom and the love and the grace that you have to offer. So in this space, Lord, we are yours. You are ours. Bless us and teach us, we pray. Amen. If you are able, let's stand together and worship this morning. We invite the Spirit to dwell in and amongst us today. Join me in singing. Spirit of the living God.
invite the Spirit into your hearts this morning. Oh 
in our worship today and our crying out to God today through the reading of scripture. Let me invite Kelly and Caleb up for us to read through our song today. This is Psalm 91, 1 through 6, and 14 through 16. On whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day. Nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor that plague that destroys at midday. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. sing of your faithfulness today when we were lost ones you were the shepherd that carried us home when we were prodigals you met and meet us with open arms and we can't hold back our praise Can we sing this together Refugees, you were the one who took us in when we were enemies. You paid the price for all our sin, and we can't hold back our praise. This is the sound of adoration. Oh, how we love you, Jesus, we love you. Joy of all creation. Oh, how we love you, Jesus, we love you. We sing to our risen King this morning. You are the risen one. You conquered death and made a way. You sang our freedom song. This is the sound of adoration 
none like our God. And I want to invite us into these new words that we haven't sang here before with the approach of joyful and thankful hearts for what the Lord has done for us, for what it took to be here today and where we stand and where we live and who we are. And so this morning we join with thankfulness with a new little tag here. So I'm gonna just repeat it. I'm gonna sing it, I'm gonna need you to repeat it to show me that we can sing this song. If I feel like it's way out of our element, we throw it in the trash, we never go to it again, okay? So here's how it goes. There is no one like our God. Now you try. Okay, I'm gonna need way more convincing here because there is no one like our God. Do you believe it? Come on. All right, here's the challenge now. We gotta do it with claps. Here we go. There is no one like our God. There is no one like our God. Oh, I love it. Come on. so much fun. You may, be, you may be seated. Let me pray for us as we continue in worship today. God, we are thankful for the way in which you call us into community, what other lives around us brings out of us, Lord, that we're able to spur each other on, into doing what you've called us to do, to live the life that you have gifted us with, with the purpose of redeeming and restoring your creation. God, we confess that in the pursuit of following you, that it comes with trials and it comes <laughs> with unpredictability, with with things that we have not planned for ourselves. And God, we take a moment to breathe and lay those before you today. God, we thank you for your steadfast love, your faithfulness that never ends for us. And this day, Lord, with what we hold, we hold with 
the knowledge and the confidence that you are with us, that this, this is not over, that there is something to have hope in, to have trust in. And so much falls into your presence, Lord. So much of that falls into what you have for us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. On Christ's solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. On Christ's solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. On Christ's solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Oh, we put our faith, we put our trust in you, we put our hope in you, cause you're my one defense my righteousness oh god how i need you we confess to you oh you're my one defense my righteousness oh god how i need you lift your voice and sing you're my one defense my righteousness Oh God, how I need you. If you are able to this morning, let's stand and let's confess our need before God. Come before God in spirit and in truth today. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here. I find my rest and without you I fall apart you're the one that guides my heart sing of your need today Lord I need you oh I need you Oh God, how I need you. We sing unsteady. Your grace is more. What grace is found is where you.
teach my song to rise to you when temptation comes my way when I cannot stand I'll fall on you cause Jesus you're my hope and stay so teach my song to rise to you when temptation comes my this without you God and we cannot live it without you being represented by the people around us the people that you live through help us to ask for help help us to know that you are with us in Jesus' name we sing and pray amen amen and before you grab a seat I want to be able um, to give you an opportunity to say hello to the people around you and to pass the peace of Christ this morning. Would you go and pass the peace of Christ?
Good morning, everybody. Great to be with you today. Go ahead and wrap up those conversations. Head back to your seat. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Tyler. I'm the Director of Communications here at San Diego First Church. Um, and this is the point in our service uh, where uh, we, we so far have gotten to worship alongside our kids and our teens, uh, but we're going to go ahead and pray over them as they are dismissed to their children's church and uh, their Sunday school programming for this morning. So if you'll turn your attention to the screens and read this prayer with me. This is my prayer for you, our children, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best. May you be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Amen. See you, kids. See you, teens. Before we continue with our worship this morning, I want to make you all aware of a few things that are happening in the life of our church because what we do here as a church is so much bigger uh, than how we worship together on Sunday mornings, how we come together to build community, to fellowship, to grow and learn together um, over the course of the weeks and through special events. Uh, But before I get to those pieces, I want to remind you all that we have our check-in form right on the very front of your bulletin, this little QR code right here. You can scan that with your smartphone and uh, click the link to head to a, a brief Google form. This is a great way, particularly if you're new, to make sure that we have your contact information. We can get your email added to our uh, email address book. Uh, and we have a weekly email that goes out every Friday afternoon that lets you know all the details about some of the announcements that we talk about on Sundays and other things happening in the life of our church. So be sure to make sure you fill that out. Uh, also, whether you're new or whether you've been here for years, this is also a great form to use if you have a prayer request that you'd like to share uh, with the church staff uh, or with the broader church community. Some of those prayer requests uh, go out in our Friday email as well. So fill out that form at any point today uh, before you head home by uh, scanning that quick QR code. All right, we have a few very important events that are coming up. First one I want to make you all aware of is our Women's Fall Day Retreat. Uh, Shannon Heffernan uh, is working to put this on uh, for the ladies of our church. And even, you know, you don't have to come to this church to go to this. If you have a friend that you want to invite, um, feel free to to let them know about this happening on October 15th. Uh, The registration for that is now live, only $12 a person. You can find that on our website under our upcoming events page or under the Women's Ministry page. The link is available right there for you. Learn a little bit more about this event, uh, brunch, wreath-making, prayer time together. Uh, So all ladies are invited to come and be a part of that on October 15th. Uh, the following day, the Sunday, is our annual chili cook-off and pie auction. I'm so excited for this event to come back. It's been years since we've had it. It's, that's like the third week in a row this has gotten applause, and I'm so happy that you all are as excited for it as I am. Um, since it's been a few years since we've had this event, uh, for those of you that might be new, I just wanted to walk through a little bit about what the morning looks like. So we still have church the morning of the chili cook-off in here at 10.30. Service will wrap up around 11.30, and then we'll head right across the French Plaza into the Family Life Center. That's the gym uh, right over there. And we'll have tables set up, and uh, it's a $5 entry fee to get in, and that includes lunch. We'll have lunch served, hot dogs, and chili cornbread coleslaw, all the good stuff. Um, All the entrance into our chili making competition will be on the opposite wall and you'll have the chance to go and taste all those chilies, uh, see which one that you like best. And then after we have the chance to eat some lunch together, uh, we'll begin the pie and cake auction. So these are uh, beautiful desserts that are handmade by people in our congregation here. uh, And those sell for uh, significant amounts of money. And uh, the, the reason for that is that not only is this a great way for us to be in community with one another, but it is also our 
big annual fundraiser for our Children's and Teens Camp Scholarship Fund. So all that money goes to help send uh, our kids uh, in third grade and above, and then our teens, sixth through twelfth grade, to summer camp uh, the following year. And uh, and we do such a great job raising money for that fund every year through this event. And so we'd love for you to come and be a part of that on Sunday, October 16th. Um, I will have a chili in the competition. As I mentioned, defending champions with my friend Ryan, it's not a shoe-in, but, you know, we're feeling confident. We're feeling confident. But welcome you. If you want to bake a pie or dare, dare you make a chili to come compete with us, uh, you are welcome to do so. Please contact the church office and let us know if you'd like to do either of those. We also have a variety of volunteer roles like giving out auction paddles or being a cashier for the auction or even helping to set up on Saturday the day before to decorate the space. And so if you want to be involved in any of that, helping to put the event on, uh, please contact me and let me know that you'd be interested in doing that. All right, last thing I want to make you all aware of, we are on week four of having Wednesday nights back happening uh, at church. Uh, so we have Wednesday night dinner being served from 5.30 to 6.30, and would love for you all to come be a part of that. And then we have programming for our kids and teens. Our kids are off to a great start rehearsing uh, for their uh, Christmas musical. I get to be a small part of that this year. Not in the musical, but part of the rehearsals and stuff. Um, <laughs> and they're doing a great job. We've already learned four songs, and so excited for them as well. Uh, sixth through 12th graders have youth group led by Pastor Lexi and our team of youth staff over in the youth room. But this is, a, this is a room of adults, and so you may be asking, what is there for me on Wednesday nights? And there are two opportunities that I want to make sure you know about. The first is, you're welcome to come and be a part of our choir. We have our sanctuary choir uh, that sings for us on Sunday mornings up here, as well as our first Sunday morning tide services uh, over in the Ellipse, uh, and they will practice starting at 6.30. And then also a bigger choir that sings for our Joyful Sounds of Christmas service uh, that's happening the first Sunday in December. They start practicing around 7.30, and that will get earlier and earlier as we get closer to the, to the service date. Uh, but you're welcome to come and be a part of just dropping in to sing on the sanctuary choir or joining that Christmas choir and being a part of that large uh, celebration service that we do starting off in December. So either, uh, either of those options are open to you if you're interested in singing. If that maybe isn't your jam, I want to make sure you know about Adult U. Adult U are our classes, uh, discussion groups uh, that happen on Wednesday nights for adults around different, to different topics in the life of our faith. Uh, this coming Wednesday, we have the last session of uh, the Habits of Worship series that Austin is leading, and then also our second night of the uh, How to Talk to Your Kids series, our, our panel on parenting. And so either choir or adult you, those are options that are open to you as adults uh, if you come and hang out here with us on Wednesday nights. I hope you do. At this time, I'd like to call forward uh, Lisa as we continue with our worship this morning. Is there a child? 
Lisa asked the question that our scripture asked this morning from Luke chapter 16, beginning at verse 19. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over there from you to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them that they will not come also to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. The word of the Lord.
Thanks, Russ. My name is Matt Wilson, and I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And uh, I've been spending some time in this passage, and even with Russ's reading, I'm reminded again how uncomfortable this passage of Scripture is. This passage is found in the Gospel of Luke, in which Luke is writing to Gentiles, non-Jews, about who Jesus is and what Jesus teaches. And if you were here last week, Pastor D uh, spoke from this, uh, uh, an earlier passage in this chapter. And in this kind of section of Scripture in the Gospel of Luke, Christ is giving these teachings and these parables all about the Jewish elite, the Pharisees, and those who love money. And it's just kind of uncomfortable where Christ goes with this. He gives this parable. He outlines that there's, there's this rich man and there is, is Lazarus. It's interesting to note that of Christ's parables throughout the, the Gospels, Christ only names two people in his parables, and they're both found here, in Lazarus and in Abraham. We have the rich man. This man who's described as being clothed in purple, which is just a sign of the fact that he has got some prestige. He has some wealth. Not only is he a rich man, but he's, he's got power and influence. In the Roman Empire at different times, the, the empire would regulate who and how much purple could be worn. If you had a lot of influence and a lot of power, the Roman Empire said, yes, you can have a lot of purple. And this man is clothed head to toe in purple. It's also really interesting, and this kind of strikes me and it makes me uncomfortable with the passage that the rich man doesn't have a name, whereas Lazarus does, right? The poor man who is suffering has his name, but the rich man doesn't. The rich man is anonymous. Whereas in our culture, in our society, we can name the rich men right off the top of our heads without really even trying. Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos. You can Google it and find a website that lists the richest men in the world. It, it's uncomfortable. That right away we have this rich man who's anonymous, but we know who he is based on all of these attributes that he's got some power and some wealth, that he has this feast that takes place behind his walls. That he feasts every day, luxuriously. And yet just outside his walls is Lazarus. The rich man has buffered himself off from Lazarus with his gates and his walls and his table. He, it seems as if he doesn't even leave the house. That this rich man has done such buffering off, creating space between him and the rest of the world. I don't know about you, but early on in the 
pandemic was really easy and necessary to create space from one another, to buffer ourselves off, to say, like, I, we're all taking our social distancing space. We don't need to engage one another. You stay at home. I stay at home. We can just get the rest of our information of the world from the internet or from the cable news. But as we have emerged out of the pandemic, it stays the same. It's really hard to take down that buffer. It's really hard to step outside and face what's going on. Because with those who have means and wealth, we can just set the world away. We can buffer ourselves off behind our gate and our table and just be satisfied with the luxury and the wealth that we have. Whereas Lazarus, begging outside of the rich man's house, sitting, laying, suffering at his gate. And Lazarus can see the wealth. He's at his wall. He sees the wealth. He sees the luxury. And instead of being clothed in purple, Lazarus is clothed in sores. Suffering, starving. That all he longs for is the crumbs off the table. And his only comfort is the dogs who lick his sores. How uncomfortable. That Lazarus, suffering outside the gates, gets no attention from the rich man because the rich man has the ability and the resources to go, I don't need to face the world. I don't need to face the realities of suffering and hurt and pain. And Lazarus lays outside the city's, or the man's gates. As the text goes on, it says that both men die, as humans do. That Lazarus is is taken by angels and brought into Abraham's embrace. Abraham being the father of the Jewish faith. He's brought into his side, held by Abraham, comforted by Abraham, whereas the rich man is buried. You already see the motion that's taking place in this text. Lazarus, who has suffered, who has gone uncomforted, who is starving and dies in the street, is taken to Abraham to be comforted, to be healed. And as the text goes on, it says that the rich man is in Hades, which is really interesting. Again, it's kind of one of those interesting cultural things that is in the text that it's uh, this... Uh, Luke, the writer of the Gospels, uses a Gentile Greek understanding of hell for this Jewish rich man to exist in, to be suffering and being tormented in. And once again, you see kind of the oddness of the parable that the, the rich man who is now being tormented in Hades looks up and sees 
a chasm, a buffer between him and Abraham and Lazarus. Notice that although the rich man speaks and shouts across the chasm, Abraham does all the talking. Lazarus is entirely silent this entire parable. says nothing. But the rich man shouts and says, can you... Can you send Lazarus to just relieve my discomfort and torture just a little bit? Can you send Lazarus, the one you're comforting, can you make him less comfortable to relieve me of my pain and suffering? Even in the afterlife, the rich man is asking Lazarus to do something for him. Only seeing the suffering man as somebody that is worth serving him even in, in his torment. The rich man still sees people as what he can get out of them. And Abraham steps in and says, no, <laughs> I can't. This chasm, this buffer that has been created, that has been fixed, it is too far. You can't come here And he can't come there. The rich man who buffered himself off from the suffering in the world now has isolated himself from comfort, from healing, from salvation. He has created this hell, this isolation, this torment. And the rich man shouts back, well, at least could you send him to my family? Send him to, I have five brothers, and they need to know about this. And Abraham steps in and does something radical here. He says, they already have Moses and the prophets. They already know. This is not news. Because this Jewish rich man would have known the law and the prophets. And I say this is a radical statement by Abraham in in Christ's parable because, and I don't mean it in a sense of like Abraham's turning over institutions and setting things on fire and being super controversial. I mean it in the way that it was intended, that, that the word radical means getting to the root of the thing, forming the root. In Christ's parable of rich man and the Lazarus, he has Abraham saying, you know of this. You know the consequences. You have Moses. You have the law. You have the prophets. And throughout the Old Testament, this is what we see. That the law, the the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy... All of these books all portray an imagination, a tradition, a way of forming the Jewish society that takes care of the poor and the orphan and the widow and the stranger and the immigrant and the refugee and the outcast. Leviticus, I know many of you are like, Leviticus, Leviticus 19 and 25 all outline the way that... This Jewish society, this Jewish community should care for the poor. 
the orphan and the widow, the economic means to set up for them to be cared for by the community. And the prophets, when they are looking back at history, when they're understanding the the plight of what's going on throughout Israelites' history, many of them go, it's because you abused the poor and the orphan and the widow. Amos, who has just no patience or grace, says this much. You are getting destroyed by Assyria because you have trampled, beat down the poor. You've sold the righteous for silver. Ezekiel, Isaiah, Amos, they all point to the fact that we have set up economies that marginalize, that exploit, that commodify every part of our lives and then seek to extract that wealth. Seek to take as much as possible. Abraham's radical statement to the rich man that is coming out of the mouth of Christ that you know this. This is how the Jewish imagination and tradition has been formed. It's way of thinking about our economy, how we exist financially together. And it's a radical statement because it gets at the root of what's going on, even in this parable. And then, <laughs> and then the rich man says, okay, yeah, but I don't think that's going to work. Why don't you just send Lazarus? Send the dead guy. Once again, only seeing what he can get out of Lazarus. And if you know the end of the gospel, it's an even more radical statement that Abraham says, Even if somebody who was raised from the dead would to come to them, they wouldn't listen. That's uncomfortable. Because the one speaking the parable is the one who is raised from the dead. But let's take Christ and understand what Christ means in the fullness of not only this teaching in parable, the fullness of his life. That as Christ is giving this parable, pointing back to the law and the prophets, so do the rest of the Gospels in saying that Christ is the fulfillment, the embodiment of these stories of this law, of these teachings, of these prophets. The good news that we have is that Christ does pave a way for us to understand what to do. Christ has paved a way for us to engage that buffer. Because there is a buffer between the divine and the created, and God 
became incarnate and dwelt among us, lived in our neighborhood, understood our circumstances. Christ stepped out from the heavens and into our world, met us where we are, and has paved a way for us to understand how we can participate alongside If we are to follow Christ, we must face our own buffered selves. That we, as a fairly wealthy nation, a fairly wealthy state, in a fairly wealthy part of California, tend to set things aside, push away the realities. But what if the rich man were to step outside his gates? What if the rich man were to step outside and see Lazarus there suffering and hurting, starving? That has, that's what Christ has enabled us to do, to step outside and face the realities of a suffering and hurting world. And Christ does this in two ways. The first is what we see here, what is done by the prophets, and that's point out how economies can be set up to marginalize and oppress people, to commodify every single part of our life. Our attention is commodified as humans. Corporations want our eyeballs on screens, and that's how they make money. Our very attention is commodified, and they do whatever they can to extract that from us. So, we probably should seek to understand the ways that our political economies oppress and hurt and, and suffer, put suffering on others. Our financial institutions want us addicted. Our financial institutions want us paying for things that we can't afford. Our political economies have commodified the very color of our skin. And that our very skin color is worth something monetarily and so much of that racism has its way infected all of the rest of the world we as the people of God who are seeking to follow Christ need to have the wherewithal the courage to point out evils in our financial institutions and say that some of these political economies don't mesh with the economy that Christ has set up. And the second thing we can do is go about healing. Go about the healing of people like Lazarus. Christ spent his ministry pointing out the injustices of the religious elite and the Roman Empire and all of those in power who are oppressing the poor and the hurting, marginalizing them. And Christ then, 
didn't just stay there. He went to the hurting and the broken and healed them. Spent the majority of his ministry with those suffering. And yes, in a, in a place like this, there is a lot of starvation and suffering and homelessness in our city that needs to be addressed. And because we know a lot more about humans and the human condition, that suffering isn't just physical. That there are Lazaruses walking amongst us that have undergone substantial, significant, psychological and emotional trauma and suffering and pain. But it's just easy to buffer that off because it doesn't look like sores. Our financial institutions, once again, have done this, that we participate in, have been a part of that traumatization. Christ went about pointing out the injustices. Christ went about healing the sick and the suffering. And this is most plainly pointed out in the difference between the rich man's table, which is set for him, set behind a city gate, where he alone is eating, and the table of Christ, where everyone is invited, where there's always a seat at the table. A place of confession, yes, and forgiveness, of reconciliation, doing the hard work of admitting that, man, I am just as liable for the hurts and pains of others, and I've come to do the work to try to make that better. That is Christ's economy right there. There is always a seat at the table. There is always enough. The rich man doesn't think, believe that. He just wants more. Lazarus knows the lack. And Christ has invited Lazarus to a table that there is always enough. At Christ's table, there is always enough. So the call for us is to be a people modeled in the imagination of Moses and the prophets to call out injustices, to work hard to undo and understand the evils that take place in this world, some of them by our very institutions, and to go about the healing. Those in our community that are hurting and suffering as the choir comes up, I want you to consider that it's at Christ's table that we are able to participate in what God has called us to do. 
that this is not something idle that will, can take place or should take place. It's not just something that is like, yeah, somebody else is doing that. We are called to do that. We're called to sit at the table with each other. We're called to step out, take down our buffer zones, our comfort zones, and understand that just where Christ meets me where I'm at, Christ calls me to meet others where they're at and be a part of a community that seeks after healing, healing the wounds, physical, emotional, psychological. I, I pray that we embody that here in this church to the college students, staff, and faculty of Point Loma Nazarene University, to those who commute past our church, that we move our boundaries and seek the healing across our city. That we take down some of those buffer zones. That we take down our walls and try our best to imitate Christ. Lord, please empower us. Victor.
Thank you, choir. And now I'm going to leave you with this benediction by John O'Donohue. Blessed be the long that brought you here and quickens your soul with wonder. May you have the courage to listen to the voice of desire that disturbs you when you have settled for something safe. May you have the wisdom to enter generously into your own unease, to discover the new direction your longing wants to take you. Go in the knowledge that God accompanies you wherever you may go, hopefully just outside of your own walls to face the reality of a broken and hurting world. Go in grace and peace.